Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that I refuse to use, no doubt, starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for August the 3rd. In the year of our Lord, 2021, this is our one of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law that I am, the Constitution for the United States of America. That is our guide. And absolutely, we're convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the founding fathers, one of the great peaceful restorative solutions we still have at our fingertips. As you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live. Hope you're all doing absolutely fantastic. A quick recap of yesterday's show. We had on Lil Nelson campaign for liberty.org doing a phenomenal job. Ron Paul Institute.org. We talked about report on the leadership school that took place in Utah last Saturday. Incredible report from Lil Nelson, but they got leadership trainings all over the country. Incredible opportunity for leadership training. We also talked about an open discussion about several survey questions. Lil answered a couple of them and had a couple of thoughts for me, and I laid down my views on the topics. We also talked about the January 6th trials. Threaten all of us. There's no doubt about that. We also talked about seven words that curse the state, they say. Karen Klyakowski wrote the article about it, and I don't really like saying curse the state necessarily either. But one of them is tyranny, hypocrite, liar, liberty, no, mine, thank you. And I get the point. We need to be very careful, though, that we lead with civility. The divisions in America seem very alarming to me. Can we agree to disagree? Can we be kind and respectful and agreeable in doing so? Well, I'm far from perfect at it, but we certainly try, right? Anyway, that was hour one with Lil Nelson. Hour two, we had Dr. Scott Bradley with us, freedomsrisingsun.com. And we talked about a speech by Samuel Adams on August 1st, 1776. Yeah, 10thamendmentcenter.com had uh, coverage of the speech and a reminder of it as well. Good for them. Um, the interesting thing about this whole thing is the things that Samuel Adams actually said. In the speech, Adams declares that by voting for the Declaration of Independence, Americans have restored the sovereign to whom alone all men ought to be obedient. Yeah, direct focus on God Almighty. Samuel Adams, quote, courage then, my countrymen, and then he goes on, and he says this. This is not whether only we preserve ourselves, and shall we be free, but whether there shall be um, left to mankind an asylum on earth for civil and religious liberty. So he's basically saying this isn't just about us being free. It's about creating a free zone known as America well into the future. We pray and work to make sure that America remains the shining city on a hill. That's my take from the whole thing. Anyway, great two hours yesterday. Spread the word. They're still available on demand. 
LibertyRoundTable.com and LovingLiberty.net. Tell your neighbors, tell your friends, would you please? All right, we'd like to welcome back an old friend. He's been around for a long, long time, and we're grateful for his friendship and his uh, hard work uh, in the news business for the sacred cause of liberty. Cliff Kincaid, president of American Survival, USAsurvival.org. Welcome back, sir. Sam, great to be with you again. Man, there's so many things to talk about in the news, but this one's especially prevalent. You know, uh, everybody is looking forward to August 10th, 11th, and 12th when Mike Lindell is supposed to uh, have his symposium on vote fraud, uh, bring out the truth, let everybody know what really went down, hard evidence, and more. The term being used is absolute proof. But I'm starting to really believe not so fast, and I've got my reasons for saying so. But when you wrote this column uh, covering the same topic, I went, man, i got to reach out to Cliff and get caught up on his uh, focus and research as well. So let's start there. Sam, I like Mike Lindell. I buy his products. I like his energy. He's a pro-Trump businessman. Everybody, I, ho I hope, knows his background, former drug addict who turned his life around through Christ, uh, very successful guy, very pro-Trump, uh, and was among those trying to convince Trump to stay in the White House after what he perceived to be the uh, election fraud on November 3rd. <coughs> the problem is Rather than focus in on some of the old-fashioned type of fraud, the old-fashioned type of vote fraud, the election irregularities, the stuffing of the ballot box, uh, preventing the observers from getting into the vote-counting centers, he's come out with this dramatic charge that he has absolute proof of Chinese cyber warfare that changed the election results in the various states. And here we are in August. His symposium is next week. And frankly, I don't see where the evidence is. Now, he may dramatically reveal all this next week, uh, but I have some doubts. And people I talk to, like Jeff Nyquist, uh, a writer, a geopolitical analyst who I interviewed on my own TV show, have their doubts too. And some people fear that Mike Lindell may be being set up for a dramatic fail next week by certain forces in the deep state, primarily the FBI, to make him look bad. And if that happens, it could discredit and undermine the whole campaign for election integrity. This is a serious uh, concern, and I want to be very clear about what we're saying and what we're not saying. Something is wrong with this event and these claims, ladies and gentlemen. We're not saying Mike Lindell's a bad guy. We're not saying he's trying to dis be dishonest with anybody. We're not saying he's part of the deep state of the cabal. We're not saying any of those things. However, what we are saying, ladies and gentlemen, is absolute proof is a bar of fraud. Fraud in and of itself is very, very hard to prove. Fraud means not only did you do something and can we catch you at doing it, but can we prove you intended to do it as well? Uh, but absolute proof, Mike Lindell's 
controversial cyber symposium uh, is very interesting. So um, the question really becomes, hey, do election tactics like mail-in ballots and ballot harvesting, is that really the case or is it really a China cyber connection? Those are two very different levels of, uh, I don't know what you want to say, statement or commitment to. We know that all kinds of vote fraud happen. We're not debating vote fraud either, really, ladies and gentlemen. But what was there, we're saying, was there really a Chinese cyber attack on voting machines? Um, and I even have a hard time <clears throat> believing that. Not that I don't trust the Chinese, but it's that, you know what? There's others that could be doing the hacking, too. Who knows? Even our own FBI, for that matter. They've proven themselves completely untrustworthy as well. But Jeff Nyquist lays out some of these concerns. He outlines his theory that Lindell, a strong backer of Trump, might just be getting... Well, he might be set up by deep state forces is the point. If that's the case, why would they do that, Cliff, you think? We know that uh, the deep state uh, was after Trump for four years, and we know the deep state is after various pro-Trump people on the political scene. I mean, they I think it was six or seven FBI agents raided Rudy Giuliani's apartment, for crying out loud. Uh, they're trying to set him up uh, for a fall. So why wouldn't they go after Lindell? Now, I I wish I could sit here, Sam, and report that I've seen the proof. And again, remember, this is about eight months after the election, and we're still waiting for the absolute proof. Now, he says he's got it. He's got what he calls packet captures of intercepted computer data. And he says this is going to prove that China interfered with the electronic voting machines. But he teased the audience last week with a video on, uh, on Brannon House's TV show. And he showed this up on the screen, up on the video screen. And I couldn't make hide nor hair of it. I couldn't decipher. I couldn't read anything. It's just a bunch of scribble going on the screen now. Come on, uh, you know, maybe he's uh, going to explain all of this next week. But uh, the other thing that's got me worried is, and this is a point I make in a column, is that Lindell is claiming that this absolute proof is so ironclad that he's going to put it all into a, a legal case and go before the U.S. Supreme Court and the U.S. Supreme Court's going to rule nine to nothing in favor of putting Trump back into the White House. Now, I really doubt that. And the, <laughs> the reason I doubt that is that we know just after the election, because of obvious irregularities and illegal voting uh, procedures in states like Pennsylvania, uh, over 20 states led by Texas went to the Supreme Court and said, look, you've got a rule on this. Uh, they broke the law, and this group of states was even denied standing. They didn't even get a hearing. So how and can we win nine to nothing? And ladies and gentlemen, they had pretty hard evidence even back then, too, of vote fraud of the, uh, the first kind we spoke of. So hang tight. Cliff Kincaid with me. Liberty Roundtable Live, ladies and gentlemen. You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches, in wedding chapels, 
in maternity wards across the country and around the world. More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still industrializing countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems at all times and in all places is to fall in love, get married, and have some kids. Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit legal foundation committed to protecting our unalienable right to publicly acknowledge God. The Foundation for Moral Law exists to restore the knowledge of God in law and government and to acknowledge and defend the truth that man is endowed with rights not by our fellow man, but by God. The foundation maintains a twofold focus. First, litigation within state and federal courts. Second, education conducting seminars to teach the necessity and importance of acknowledging God in law and government. How can you help? Please make a tax-deductible contribution, allowing Foundation attorneys to continue the fight. You may also purchase various Foundation products as well at morallaw.org. Located in Montgomery, Alabama, the Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit, tax-exempt 501c3, founded by Judge Roy Moore. Please partner with us to achieve this important mission, morallaw.org. I want to dedicate this song to Mr. Rupert Murdoch. Back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Cliff Kincaid with me. He's president of America's Survival, usasurvival.org. We're talking about an article that he wrote. Absolute proof is the question. Mike Lindell's controversial cyber symposium. Cliff Kincaid with the article. You can find it at usasurvival.org. And uh, Jeff Nyquist putting forward the idea that, you know what, Lindell might be a great guy, and he might be generally well-meaning, but you know what? He might very well get snookered by the FBI, the deep state. Nyquist has analyzed and questioned the various claims made by Lindell and his supporters, concluding the FBI might have orchestrated a setup here. You know what? It's a very dirty game, they say. And I think that there's some truth to this. Now, here's the problem. It's hard to, from a data point of view, fake some of this data. If you really look at the routers and the, and the tracking and stuff like that, even for the FBI, because um, if you really understand how packets work and everything else going through the Internet, you can document where they come from and where they go. Okay? But that's for normal people like the rest of us. That You know what? It's very hard to fake um, details. Now, you can fake some things on the Internet. Spoofing and stuff really exists, but it's very hard when you go from router to router because you can um, really document fairly easily some things on the Internet. The problem is you're dealing with, say, deep state government agencies that built the Internet, ladies and gentlemen. And so as a result, you've got to be very careful to say, hey, they've built this thing for the last 50 years. It's part of the deep state. Okay, literally big universities have been in bed with big tech folks and have been in bed with deep state government in the military. It's a triad who built the Internet. 
And so, believe me, there's ways that they can fake some of this stuff and um, maybe even not get caught. But the problem becomes a fly in the ointment. It wouldn't take, but right after Mike goes through his incredible symposium, documents that tell the cows come home, everybody feels like it's great and documented and true. Somebody can release a fly in the ointment. It reminds me of Bitcoin, where it's like, well, we don't really know the origin, but we think it's completely transparent and not hackable. But then we find out people lose money in Bitcoin all the time for various reasons. Um, number one, there could be egg on someone's face big time over this. Number two, even if you have the positive ironclad truth, how are you going to get to the court? They'll just dismiss you, Cliff. That's my fear. Uh, and I, I think Mike Lindell is just overselling this thing with his uh, video nine to nothing. That's, that's his video based on his belief that this is so absolute, so overwhelming that the Supreme Court will have to take the case and they'll rule for Trump nine to nothing and Trump will be back in the White House. Well, I think his enthusiasm uh, is getting the better of him here. We need some realistic analysis of what's going on. Your point about how some of these packet captures could be fabricated is a good one. And one of the points Jeff Nyquist makes is why would China need to show its hand in terms of meddling with the election on November 3rd? Why would they need to do this when they know that the Democratic Party was already planning through various traditional methods of vote fraud to take the election anyway. Why did they need some special algorithm uh, to accomplish uh, this stolen presidency? So these are questions that, that I'm raising. I'm a journalist. You know me, Sam. I, I, I'd like to support Mike Lindell. I've, I've bought one of his pillows. I even bought his dog bed for my dog. I like him. He's a he makes American-made products. He's a gung-ho pro-American guy. Uh, but maybe, just maybe, he ought to be sinking his money into some traditional uh, conservative causes and even grassroots movements, like the citizen uprisings we're seeing around the country against the teaching of uh, racist critical race theory to the kids. I, I hope it doesn't backfire on him next week, but uh, I'm uh, fearful. Well, and the other question becomes, um, we're relying on the media right now to um, go to the symposium and to report uh, things accurately. And, you know, it reminds me a lot of when Joe Arpaio collected the evidence on um, Barack Obama's birth certificate, and he came out with his absolute proof of, of the birth certificate scenario. And you know what? I watched that from Joe Arpaio, and his investigators had their ducks in a row, and they had a lot of good information. But in the end, all the reporters did who watched it was sit there and listen, and then when they got done, they, all they did was trash what he had to say, uh, said he was off his rocker, and, and left, and it went nowhere. Uh, and I asked Joe Arpaio about it later, and he's just basically like, look, you can't get anybody to take this thing. What do you do with it? I mean, the evidence is there, but what good will it do? I'm not here to debate the evidence of the birth certificate right now. All I'm trying to say is that if you're relying on the media to be the ones to, to blow this thing up, good luck with that, right? And we know that about the media for sure, too, Cliff. We do. Now, <clears throat> the, fear is <clears throat> the fear is that 
if this thing does blow up, it could set back the cause of election integrity. <clears throat> that, um, you know, these election audits are being conducted in the various states, and they have real true potential to show evidence of vote fraud on the ground in terms of, say, you know, more more registered voters in a district than actual people, uh, as you were alluding to people earlier. People scanning cards that are, people scanning vote cards uh, that didn't exist before somehow came in in batches, all kinds of things, right? All kinds of things like that. And if, if this Lindell thing that's getting so much attention, and remember his videos, <coughs> I think absolute proof has gotten tens of millions of, of views. If this explodes next week, it could discredit the whole push for election integrity and, and backfire and not only hurt him, uh, but, but hurt uh, those Republican legislators in the various states that are trying to clean up the process. Because the idea in that scenario is going to be, hey, you know what? If Mike Lindell's uh, extreme absolute proof has been debunked, look, we're not even going to talk about this anymore. The whole thing is debunked. And what it reminds yeah. me of is oftentimes the media and deep state government does this. If I make a claim, then they'll make the claim ten times more outrageous than I do. Disclaim the outrageous portions of the claim, but ignore the realities of the truth of the claim, <clears throat> but yet dismiss the whole thing over it. That's what we're talking about, right? I think so. Uh, now, the other interesting thing is um, uh, Lindell, I think sensing that it possibly could backfire, is offering $5 million to anybody who can disprove his data. I raised this with... Uh, now, let me, let me stop you there before you go on, though. It's anybody who can disprove his data who is approved and attends his event, though. Apparently so, because this is an invitation-only event. Uh, you or I can't attend. Uh, well, he's inviting to coming up. I've got some news and information okay. on this, by the way. All right, go ahead, sir. But it's it's you know what does that mean? How how can somebody disprove his data? Prove his intercepted data from the computers that he's going to show on these screens is fraudulent. What are his his requirements. I mean, it, it, the burden of proof is really on Mike Lindell to prove that this is evidence of Chinese cyber warfare. Well, he's turning that around. He's saying, well, if you doubt me, you prove it's not. Well, that's that's a little bit odd, isn't it? Well, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense because how can I prove that it's not? I mean, I'm going to have to then start to say, where did you get the information from? Uh, yeah. you know what? Do you have control of the routers that the information came from? Do you have control of the Chinese uh, hardware that you can prove that this was extracted from? Um, it's fairly easy for me to prove something um, not provable. Okay, what I, what I can say is unless you can say you have control of those routers, you don't know that it came from those routers for sure. See, I've already got the $5 million because it's very easy. If you have the routers, you know what? Bring one in. Let me, let me hold it. Let me touch it. Let me make sure it's a Chinese router. And then how do you know it really came from the Chinese? Where'd you get the router? And it's fairly easy for me to prove that it isn't provable. It's very hard to prove something to be the facts above reproach or above questioning. I mean, think how many things you can't prove. And so That's all, right. all I'm it, saying is it's a very... And so, but when you limit who's going to get to go, 
And then you say, well, you don't release how we're going to determine what the $5 million constitutes. In other words, what do I have to not prove, right? That's right. Uh, it's, it's, I think Lindell is going to claim victory no matter what. And, 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 and like I say, he can go ahead and do that and claim he's going to win nine to nothing in the Supreme Court, but that doesn't make it right. But then the media is going to go there, they're going to laugh at him, they're going to mock him, they're going to go away, and they're going to try to blow any vote fraud claims out of the water with a misdirect. Ladies and gentlemen, be very careful. We're not trying to attack Lindell or Trump. We're trying to have a reality check and defend some of our friends and say, you know what, we pray you don't get snookered. Hang tight. Cliff Kincaid with us. Well-known journalist. Been around for a long time. USASurvival.org. Protecting your liberties. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pry. Senator Lindsey Graham said Monday that he tested positive for COVID-19 despite being vaccinated. But infections in vaccinated people are still very rare and usually cause mild or no symptoms, as is the case with Senator Graham. It appears Graham may have exposed a number of other senators to the virus this weekend as he attended a weekend get-together on Senator Joe Manchin's houseboat. The United States on Monday reached the goal of getting at least one COVID-19 shot into 70% of American adults a month late. Louisiana ordered nearly everyone, vaccinated or not, to wear masks again in all indoor and public settings, including schools and colleges. Three guests were injured Monday night after an iceberg wall collapsed at the Titanic Museum in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. The three guests were taken to the hospital, and their injuries are unknown at this time. The museum's owner said it wasn't immediately clear what caused the collapse. The attraction was closed following the incident. USA Radio News. Hey, some big news. Eric Bowling is back on TV with a new show. Tune into Newsmax every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern and watch Eric Bowling on The Balance. Eric is the balance to big media, woke politics, and cancel culture. All this week, Eric is exposing the dangers of Joe Biden's inflation. It's already rising big time, and it could wipe out your stocks, bonds, cash, even your retirement. So get the truth about Biden and find your balance. Watch Eric Bowling on Newsmax at 4 p.m. Eastern today. More than 30 million Americans watch Newsmax. It's on all major cable systems. If your operator doesn't carry it, call them. Tell them you want it. Plus, find Newsmax free on streaming systems like Roku, Samsung, LG, Pluto, Zumo, and more. Or download the free Newsmax app on your phone and watch it anytime, anywhere. More than 30 million Americans are tuning into Newsmax because it's real news for real people. The evictions moratorium is being passed down to the states. Tim Berg reports. The White House is asking state and local leaders to use COVID relief funds to create their own eviction moratoriums. The White House passing the buck saying too many states and cities have been slow to act. This comes after House Speaker Nancy Pelosi called on President Biden to extend the ban which expired yesterday. But the White House has insisted only Congress has the power to do that. Alan Hammer owns two rentals, and he tells Fox News this moratorium has been a struggle for landlords as well. I think that the clearly the lower income, the landlords whose whose tenancies are lower income people are hit pretty hard. Uh, we have built our buildings are in better communities, nicer communities. Our tenants worked through the pandemic uh, and therefore they paid their rent. I think the small landlords, the mom and pops and the landlords that are servicing the lowest income tenancy are the ones hit the hardest by this. And it's been a struggle for many of them. USA Radio News. 
right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Cliff Kincaid with me, USA Survival. .org, doing a great job. So let me tell you some personal details that I'm kind of aware of that I've been working on here with this Mike Lindell thing. Number one, I did go to uh, Frank's speech. I looked to try to get a hold of Brandon House. I uh, couldn't get a hold of Brandon at all, but I did um, find a place that I could then um, try to apply to get credentials to go to this event in uh, South Dakota. And I filled out the form and sent it in, and it took them several days to get back to me, but all they wrote back was, hey, uh, to um, possibly get a ticket into this event, you've got to fill out this form. So I, of course, filled out the form, the second form now. And I filled out the second form, and on that they say we have the right to turn down anybody we want to for any reason we want to. But I filled out the second form and turned it in. And uh, I still haven't heard back. Okay, so I've done all their requirements. I even have an email about the second form. So I've got proof that they've been receiving my stuff and corresponding with me. Uh, But for some reason, I don't have it back. Here's the problem. It's already Tuesday, August the 3rd, ladies and gentlemen. If this thing goes on the 10th, the 11th, and the 12th, it's already less than a week away now, or about a week away. So I've already missed the opportunity to get any inexpensive flights now because they've waited too long. I've been trying on this for weeks, ladies and gentlemen. Now, why would they not give me credentials? Let me be very clear. I was at the uh, Republican convention. I was literally in the event in Cleveland live sitting right across from CNN. I mean, I had absolute thousand percent killer credentials for that. I've been in the news media forever. 25 year celebration of Liberty Roundtable live right now. I owned an AM radio station for 10 years. I've developed software for the industry that's, you know, 300 plus radio stations are using my software. Um, I don't know how much more legitimate in the media you get than that. I was one of the top 250 talkers in the nation. Now, I'm not here to tell you how awesome I am. I'm just here to kind of document my credentials to say, not only was I at the Republican National Convention, did a great job, interviewed all kinds of governors. Donald Trump Jr. was on my broadcast on Super Tuesday of all times. He could have been a lot of places, but he chose to be on my program. In addition to that, we went to the Donald Trump inauguration. Had credentials for that. I go on and on, but then, so, I even wrote that. You know, hey, um, why should I be at this event? Because I'm a friend of Mike Lindell, and because I've been very supportive of Donald Trump. Now, I, ha- I did not vote for Trump. Maybe he's holding that against me. I don't know. Uh, it's not that I dislike Donald. It's to, I just believe there's another guy better to, to, to uh, take the Oval Office. Uh, nevertheless, the debate goes on, but number one, I feel like I've really tried to attend this event legitimately. But even if they give me back my credentials at this late, you know, in the game scenario, I don't know if I can get flights that would make sense. I mean, South Dakota is hard to fly into. Trust me. I went to Red Pill and I went to Freedom Fest. (laughs) In Freedom Fest, I literally had to um, cancel my flights and drive there. The flights were so egregious. So all I'm telling you is I don't even know if I can go now, even if they send me the things. How can I scramble on a dime and redo my plans and everything else? There's more, but let's give Cliff Kincaid a chance to chime in at this point. Um, So far, that's where I stand. Now, why wouldn't I get credentials? Why wouldn't you get credentials? I don't know that there's two people in the media that have greater credentials than we do, Cliff. All I've tried to do, uh, Sam, is offer uh, my little bitty ASI America Survival Inc., TV show on the internet platform to them, to Mike Lindell, Brandon House, 
whoever, to come on and explain some of this, to rebut what Jeff Nyquist said on my show the other day. Uh, I'm open. I'm a journalist. I'm pursuing this. Perhaps out of the blue, in contrast to this mishmash we saw in the video the other day, Mike Lindell next week in South Dakota will provide the absolute proof. But I tell you, we based hope on what I know wrong. so far, it's just I, I just doubt it. And so I'm there's a number of things that they have to do. They have to produce, put something on the air that people can read and see, not this scrab, scribble scrabble that was on their video the other day, the one Mike Lindell was on with Brandon House, and they have to, re, they have to answer some questions about the reported source of this material, this former uh, CIA contractor by the name of Dennis Montgomery. Uh, I'm just pursuing it like you are. Now, we're not saying we trust Dennis Montgomery either, by the way. I saw a comment on your website where someone's like, are you trusting this guy? We're not saying we trust him at all. No. Right? No, I I, I question him uh, just like Jeff does. Jeff doesn't uh, trust him, but uh, and, and maybe Lindell does. But this is the odd thing. There are two reporters, Mary Fanning and Alan Jones, who, uh, who provided this initial report that went to Lindell citing uh, Dennis Montgomery as the source of this intercepted data. Well, there's a lot of people who don't trust Montgomery. And all of a sudden, Montgomery's been dropped uh, from these subsequent reports about the proof. Well, what role did he play or not? And, you know, again, where, the, where is this intercepted data coming from? One point Jeff Nyquist made is that uh, it's illegal to hack into computers, even if you're doing it for a good cause. So where did this data come from? How, so so how do, here's the point. How does Mike Lindell get access to Chinese routers and Chinese uh, you know, systems across yeah. international borders and everything else and then say, hey, I have the right to have this? How does that yeah. happen? I don't know. That alone is a concern. And and if it, you know, it, again, if if this is real data from the November third election, why are we just seeing it now, eight months later? Well, and that's really where the the problem is with this stuff. Um, if you think that you're going to take it to the American public, well, the public's not invited to this, right? Correct. Okay, so if you're going to take it to the media, and um, guys like Sam Bushman and Cliff Kincaid aren't, uh, um, what, given a pass? Who's going to go? We're, we're probably the most friendly, open-minded media there is, Cliff. Yeah. Who's going to go if guys like me and you aren't welcome? Is it, is it going to be know. Alex Jones and he's the only one that gets to go? Or is it Alex <laughs> Jones and, and ABC and CBS and all the big mainstream people that we don't trust and have been betraying Mike? Lindell and beaten up on Mike Lindell forever. Is that who's going to attend? Who's going to attend this thing? I wish I knew. And I guess there's a rationale for having it in South Dakota. But as you say, that's a hard place for a lot of people to go to, a lot of people to visit. Uh, if, if his purpose is to attract the major media, maybe he should have had it in Washington, D.C. or New York City. Well, I went to the National Press Club, right? 
Yeah, that's in that's in D.C. That's where I have my news conferences. Of course, I'm in the D.C. area, but uh, South Dakota. Ladies and gentlemen, it doesn't make sense to me. Now, here's what I did. I don't know if you know, but the Premier Hotel uh, in uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, the Premier Best Hotel is called the Sheraton. And the Sheraton has the convention center there and everything else. And I called and I asked about some hotel rooms and they told me there was a couple of a, a couple available, that's it. Because I thought, well, maybe I should kind of get a hotel in case I need one. What if they say I can go, right? And so I was told there's only a couple of rooms. You better hurry and get yours now because there's only like one or two left. But then I did something unconventional. I'm a little bit of a journalist and a little bit of a sleuth myself. And so I literally got a hold, believe it or not, of somebody who works in a kitchen for some of the food services at the convention center. Okay? And I said, hey, is there a lot of availability? And they go, oh, there's more availability than you think. And I said, why? And they said, well, I don't really know. And then they researched it, and they came back, and they said, "Um, you know what? Lindell Corporation uh, has an event on that uh, weekend, the 10th, 11th, 12th. But there's plenty of hotels the 10th and the 11th, but nothing on the 12th. And then I said, really? So I can't even get a hotel on the 12th if I wanted to? And they said, no, we don't have one for you. Now, that doesn't mean I can't hunt around the city and get one. But I guess my question is, if guys like me aren't going, and if you have the uh, Lindell Corp holding this thing, and then they also confirmed, the food crew confirmed that that's where they're having the event. So I don't know if Mike Lindell has announced where the event is, but no one's supposed to know where the event is yet, right? How do you have an event where media people like us can't attend? You don't know where it is, but you're supposed to go. Time is winding down. Um, then I can't get a hotel even if I want to go. I mean, I won't have a place to stay. I'll have to camp or sleep in my car or something. <laughs> unless Mike's going to just unless Mike's just going to come back and say, "Oh yeah, buddy, you're in now. Sorry for the delay, but we got a hotel for you. Come on, you know, baby, take your coat off." Uh, it isn't making any sense to me. We'll talk more about my discoveries in seconds. I do a little research, too, ladies and gentlemen. This isn't I rely on everybody else radio show. Cliff does his research, and I do mine. But neither of us have any certificate or ticket to go to the event at all. Why? Liberty Roundtable Live. The spirit of the American West is live and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues affecting the American West. Each issue contains informative articles, breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today, and gift ideas like the 2021 Real Buckaroo Calendar. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Loving Liberty Network salutes the spirit of the American West at rangemagazine.com. Well, my mom smokes and my dad smokes, and I saw them smoking, so I tried it. They're telling me not to smoke, but they smoke themselves. When it comes to smoking, are you sending mixed signals? But when you teach someone a certain way to do things, and you go back on that certain way, it sends mixed signals to the person that they're trying to teach. The parents need to be the example. Smoking. If you think you're old enough to start, you're smart enough to stop. A public service message from this station and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Mom, you don't know anything about me anymore. 
Johnny, I know you're good at math. You don't like English. I know Ryan smiled at you yesterday at school. I know your favorite color is purple. And I know you don't like mushrooms. And who can blame you? I mean, mushrooms are a fungus, and people generally try to avoid funguses. Or is it fungi? I'm never quite sure. But, you know, either way, I mean, penicillin is good. Penicillin is a mold. Huh. Well, I guess you're right. So you like penicillin, but not mushrooms. <laughs> no matter what you talk about, love is what they'll hear. Mom, mm. if we talk, will you be quiet? Love to. A thought from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Visit us at mormon.org. Live and on your radio, Clip Kincaid with me, usasurvival.org. So I want to know, has Mike Lindell released where this event is? Because I'm telling you, it's at the Sheraton. <laughs> I don't know for a fact, but I did talk to somebody who has uh, been involved in food preparation and everything else that said, oh, yeah, Mike Lindell's event is at this location. That is the convention center um, at the Sheraton Hotel. Uh, and, and so I then checked with a bunch of other hotel um, groups, and there are hotels booked all over the uh, city. But I want to know who's going to all those hotels, though. I mean, literally, you have thousands of hotel rooms. Who are the thousands of people that are invited? And if guys like Sam Bushman don't know, and Cliff Kincaid don't know and can't go. I've got other talk show hosts, because remember, I'm not just a, a syndicated talk show host. I run radio networks, people. I know a bunch of other talk show hosts, right? And they're struggling to get in and asking me how they can get a ticket, too. And my response is, I don't know if you can get one. But so if me and Cliff and a bunch of other people are all locked out, who's going to this thing? I get that the hotel rooms are, are, are held for some reason. I don't know if Mike's just going to pay a bunch of money. Most of these hotels say, you know what, you're going to have to pay for the first night no matter what anyway. I don't know if Mike's just going to commit to a bunch of money to make this thing sound sold out or whatever else. But why would there be available availability on the 10th and the 11th but none on the 12th? Um, how do people know what's going on and where to be and when? Like how, okay, and if you say, well, Sam, we can't let the enemies know, by golly. Got to wait and just tell the good guys when it's time. Yeah, but that can leak out in two seconds, and the good guys um, will be betrayed by the bad guys. The bad guys can um, disseminate information in modern day so quickly that that won't make any difference. You could let them know two hours ahead of time, and everybody would know where to go, who was the bad guy, if that's the deal. Why, why is this held so close to the vest and not told where it's at, but yet all the hotel rooms are taken, but who the heck's going to be going? I mean, are people flying in from the BBC or what? I don't understand it. And so I look at this thing and I go, you got a whole lot of tickets to nothing or a whole lot of no tickets to something? Or, anyway, <laughs> I, I, I've done this research, though, seriously, and I'm, and I'm really honestly miffed about this, Cliff. You raise a lot of good questions, uh, a lot of good points, Sam. I haven't pursued it like that. I've been doing my shows and writing my columns. Good for you that you've looked into it. All I knew in advance is it was an invitation-only thing. I've seen Lindell say that uh, certain people are being invited, but I don't know who they are. Now I've been educated by you that it looks like Lindell has reserved a lot of hotel rooms except for we don't know what's happening on the 12th who's going 
I think I remember Lindell in one of his videos uh, saying that one of his critics was coming with his own cybersecurity expert. But that raises the question, what will the quote expert, the outside expert, have access to? Mike Lindell says that these capture packets of the intercepted data are going to be running on these TV screens inside the convention hall or wherever it's going to take place. But as I say, when I saw them, he ran snippets in a video the other day, I couldn't even make anything out. It was, it was like trying to uh, read a, a bunch of letters in an eye doctor's office and, and everything's a blur. Uh, so I don't know what he well, intends they say, to prove. They say, Cliff, that it's hundreds of pages long too. So even if you even if you can read part of it, I mean, unless someone's going to give me the download of the hundred pages, I can't really drill in and evaluate anyway. And he he says that in the video the other day, he he was running these lines of type, which again I couldn't read. He said those were only from six states. He says he's got the same kind of stuff from all 50 states. He referred to, I think I reported, billions, a billion lines of type. These are supposed to be intercepted data showing the cyber attacks. Well, I mean, how can anybody even begin to comprehend what that stuff is and where it came from? I mean, where's, where's going to be the absolute proof that this is real? So let me get this straight then. One of the enemies or the critics are going to come. Are they going to give the critic time on stage? Because I, I, I can't even get to Mike to ask a single question. I can't even get to Brandon House and ask a single question. I can't even find out if there's a ticket available for me in time for me to attend unless they give it to me today or tomorrow. I'm out of time, Cliff. Yeah, yeah. And I said at the start that I would go on my own dime. I'm not asking for anybody to give me anything. I'll pay for my hotel. I'll pay for my travel. I'll just sit in the crowd and listen and report on it. And da da da. Why would you not want me there? Why would you want a critic there? But who in the media is going though? I don't understand. I mean, are we just going to have you know a thousand CNN people there and a thousand ABC people there and a thousand <laughs> CBS people there? I mean, who's going? It's an open question. <sighs> These are additional questions in addition to the ones I raised in my column and in my interview with Jeff Nyquist. Jeff, you probably know him. He's done a number of great books on geopolitics. He started looking into this as somebody sympathetic to yeah, Michael. The Lindell. point is this guy's as seasoned as the rest of us, Cliff. Exactly. And 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 he just became very dissatisfied, wrote up his his uh, long critique at uh, jrnyquist.blog, and that's why I had him on. I said, Jeff, you've looked into this. I, I've just nibbled around the edges, and it's very dissatisfying that at this late date, only about a week out, we're still in, in, in the haze, in the, I mean, we're, we're up in the air about what, what exactly he's trying to prove and where this stuff's coming from. And, and even how to get there. Now, it's weird, too, because when I talk to this person in the food industry about this, and the reason you talk to them is because they don't have the normal hotel secrecy or whatever else. They're just like, well, hey, we're having an event. There's going to be a bunch of food, you know. Uh, but you ask them because they don't have near the um, directives to be kind of, you know, hold things quiet or whatever else. And it, it, it's a way to. Well, anyway, so I said, you know, is there a Mike Lindell event? 
And the person came back and said, man, I can't find it. I can't find it. And I said, are you sure? Then they finally came back and they said, oh, the reason I couldn't find it is it doesn't say Mike Lindell. It actually says Lindell Corporation. Mm. They didn't even know what I was looking for. Right. But but with my guidance, I intentionally said Mike Lindell. I didn't give them the corporation or anything else. I wanted to see what they would come back with. And obviously they had real information or they wouldn't have known to say that. This isn't a person that's political. They didn't know that I was on a political event. I just said, hey, I'm trying to attend an event. The problem is I'm confused where it is. or what, And I just, uh, anyway, I'm a, I'm a decent, um, oh, what do they call them, pretexters? <laughs> anyway, all, <laughs> all I'm telling you is that they gave me the pay dirt. And so does that mean that Mike Lindell's going there for sure? I don't know. I don't want you to take that to the bank because he might get 20 places and he might say that he's going to be at all of them. And that person may have just said, yeah, he said he's going to be here. He, he's got this reserved. And that may be true, but it may not be the pay dirt. Okay, so I'm not telling you that's where he is for sure because I don't know. But I know this. There is an event planned at the Sheraton Hotel, uh, and it's going to be on the 10th, 11th, and the 12th. And the 12th, there's no hotels available at that location. And the food group is preparing food at that location, at least according to the average Joe's ability to say, what do we got, where, when, stuff. And so I don't know if the event's there for sure or not, because, again, Mike did say I'm reserving a bunch of things so people don't know where it is and whatever. But if you don't tell anybody where it is, I don't know how anybody's going to get there. I'm not very smart, but my GPS, when you say, take me where I don't know where to go, then it usually goes, huh? It does seem strange. that's kind of what I'm doing right now. It does seem strange. Why not just announce where it's going to be, invite the press, uh, liberal, left, conservative, whatever, uh, invite some regular people, regular observers. Have legitimate security then, like the Republican and Democrat conventions so that you know that it's right. all stable and not going to go off the rails, right? And we understand that, that they want to keep out the uh, hecklers and, and, and disruptors, but do it uh, with security, make sure everybody's checked before they go in, and then, in a calm, measured, rational way, present absolute proof of the evidence and have it in a concrete form that people can see, uh, read, and hear. Uh, I, why should it be so? It's like a state secret here. Well, if it can't be faked or anything else, why not give everybody a copy of it on a, of a, on a thumb drive? You're not giving it to the masses. You're not doing millions of people. How many people in the media would even attend a Mike Lindell event like this? You think everybody in the media is going to go? I don't think so. Yeah. How many people literally would be there if there were tickets available to the media? How many do you think would really go? 20,000? Yeah, out to South Dakota. I, I, you know, it's that's what I'm saying. To me, I like your idea earlier of doing something at the National Press Club. Not, not uh, why invite thousands of people? Just have a small event. I've had probably twenty events at the National Press Club in D.C. over the years. Have a small event. You have some screens set up, some TV screens. Uh, you have microphones, like you say. Have the documents in advance, either. Concrete paper, hardcover documents, or on a thumb drive, and uh, and if you need to, then follow up with a bigger event to get supporters after they've been convinced to press their elected representatives to look into whether, in fact, the cyber warfare occurred. I don't know who's planning this thing out, and why it has become so mysterious. I don't know, but I will say one last thing. 
If I really wanted to get information out about fraud, of criminal activity, would I invite the media but not let the Sam and the Cliffs and the, the others attend? Or would I have maybe the sheriffs and the media attend? What if you invited all 3,000 sheriffs to an event? Said, listen, sheriffs, we need every state, every county sheriff, uh, you know, the chief law enforcement officer in his area to be aware of what's happening here. Um, wouldn't you invite those guys? Yeah. But I don't, I don't hear that they're invited. No. Very strange. So uh, anyway, I, I don't mean to just beat up on Mike Lindell. That's not our purpose here, ladies and gentlemen. We're not beating up on Donald Trump. We're not saying vote fraud didn't occur. We know it occurred. Uh, but the question becomes, are we going to get caught in a snare and betray the whole operation and then make it very difficult, if not impossible, to truly get pay dirt and lay down the truth on vote fraud and have accountability somewhere? Is that what's going to be undermined in this reality check? That's what we're really asking. And I hope people are open-minded enough to consider the points that we're making. And if somebody has intel that we don't have, we're both ears to listen. Right, Cliff? Exactly. You can contact me at Kincaid at Comcast.net. Uh, go to my webpage, USA's Kincaid at Comcast.net. That's my personal email address, usasurvival.org. Uh, I, I, again, I'd like to see this succeed. I, I hope he's got the proof, but uh, it's been eight months now. And this mysterious event is still unfolding, and we're still trying to figure out how to get in. But we're so close to the event now that we're, you know what, to get to a place like South Dakota, I mean, unless you get a ticket pretty quick, you wouldn't be able to drive there or get there at all, Cliff. No. You're too far away. Like <laughs> most right. of the other media, right? Yeah. Unless they're already en route. Now, I don't know how we find out if media folks are en route, but if they are, I don't know who they are. They're so elite in the media that Cliff and I don't even know them. Again, folks, I, don't, I, I, I know that people might give us a lot of blowback on this one, but I'm telling you right now, we're trying to give you the most honest, credible, detailed, accurate reporting we possibly can. Cliff Kincaid, thank you, my brother. Thank you, Sam, for the invitation. Good luck. Anyway, his articles are incredible. Ladies and gentlemen, USA Survival, great, great work by Cliff Kincaid. Um, you got to keep up with his articles. You got to sign up and get on his video. Uh, his TV stuff is incredible as well. USAsurvival.org. God save the Republic of the United States of America. Top the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk radio Show. Talk Show. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman, live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the network refuses to use. No doubt, continues now. Ladies and gentlemen, hard-hitting talk at your fingertips, always on your radio. This is the broadcast for August third in the year of our Lord, two thousand and twenty-one. This is hour two of two last hour we talked in big detail with our buddy cliff kincaid president of america's survival usasurvival.org we talked about absolute proof mike lindell's event coming up ladies and gentlemen i'm telling you right now i pray mike lindell doesn't get snookered but i think he's going to 
Sam investigates the Lindell event. Something is not right. Doesn't add up. Simply doesn't make any sense. That's the bottom line in the upshot. This hour, though, totally different topic. We got our buddy Patrick Simmons with us. National Right to Work Legal Defense Foundation. Find out if you live in a right to work state, ladies and gentlemen. Righttowork.org. Patrick, welcome back to Liberty Roundtable Live, sir. Good morning, Sam. Thanks. Oh, man, there's so much going on in the news. It is crazy. Uh, Now that we've had Joe Biden in office, what, a little over six months now, right? Seven months? Yeah. Uh, Things have kind of ran off the rails when it comes to uh, uh, the the National Labor Relations Board and everything else. They seem to be on a bender, huh? Yeah, he, uh, you know, they're, of course, the Senate's the, was trying to get out of town, and one of the, the final things they did was uh, rubber stamp a couple uh, NLRB nominees, um, and it's, uh, it's going to, hasn't caused trouble yet, but it will start causing um, a lot of problems really soon, um, trying to uh, push unions on workers who don't want them and undermine the individual rights of workers um, who are trying to not associate uh, with the union. Um, which is, of course, we think that should be their choice uh, if they want to or not. It shouldn't be forced by a federal agency, which is um, what has happened and is unfortunately what's what's likely to happen more um, as uh, Biden's people get more and more control over the National Labor Relations Board. What I find interesting is, for example, we thought with the um, Amazon thing that, hey, you know what, people are going to reject the unions, but they're coming back in a manipulated way to force the unions on people even there. Yeah, it's it's pretty remarkable. You have this um, leak last night. I, you know, this is not, um, as far as I can tell, any official decision. This is uh, some low-level staffer making a recommendation to his boss about, uh, you know, what what they should uh, decide. And it looks like they're going to say Amazon, by helping to get a mailbox installed, made it too easy to vote by mail, um, and somehow that was the reason why. The workers overwhelmingly voted uh, over two to one margin against the union, um, and it's uh, it's pretty it's pretty wild. It shows uh, just you know how they 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 want these things to work. The union is basically their position is you know the Amazon shouldn't be able to campaign, workers um, shouldn't be able to to vote at their workplace. They should only be able to vote um, when it's more difficult and where we can go to them and go to their house and say, here's the ballot, fill it out. We'll send it back in for you. Um, this is all done in mail-in voting. And um, it's, it's pretty pretty outrageous uh, that there are, you know, I think it's fewer than um, 20% of the total eligible workers voted for the union. Um, like I said, over two to one who did vote uh, voted against unionization. Um, the union brought in, you know, Joe Biden did a video Bernie Sanders came down. They had celebrities come in. Um, and yet, despite all that, these workers looked around, said, this is a good job for my community. Um, and whatever this union is offering, I don't want it. And now um, the union, with the help of the National Labor Relations Board, uh, is going to try and, and overturn uh, their vote. It's uh, it's pretty outrageous. Um, yeah. Now, what I find interesting is it's almost like the National Labor Relations Board is undermining the will of the people here blatantly. So that seems to be actionable, doesn't it? Yeah, well, they're going to that's, that's what they're trying to do. And I, I 
suspect um, part of what's going on here is so currently the Trump um, there's a majority on the National Labor, Labor Relations Board through the end of August that are the, the one of the Trump nominees. His term expires, as I mentioned. Um, a, a former SEIU lawyer was just confirmed by the Senate to, to fill that seat. So at the end of August, that switches. And what it does is it flips the majority from three to uh, Trump appointees who have not been perfect, but they've certainly been more fair uh, and, and more neutral. Um, and suddenly you're going to have uh, three Biden-selected NLRB members um, running the National Labor Relations Board. And I suspect that the, the union and Amazon uh, union officials are trying to kind of slow this down so that it gets there after Biden takes full control, and then they can just rubber stamp it, uh, rerun the election, uh, what they really would like, because um, we know from this is in the, the PRO Act, which is the, uh, the, the top priority for, for organized labor um, for the AFL-CIO and for all the big unions in Congress, and it's already passed the House. Of course, they want to dismantle the filibuster so they can shove it through the Senate. Uh, but one of the aspects in the PRO Act is if a union loses an election like this, Currently, the, the fix is they run another election. Um, but what the, the PRO Act says is if the union loses the election, uh, not the other way around, only if the union loses, the National Labor Relations Board can uh, not only declare that, that election invalid, but they can just declare the union the winner. Um, so if this happens under the PRO Act uh, and, and a, a Biden NLRB, um, they probably have, have already said, nope, union's in. We don't care that two, you know, uh, two workers voted against the union for every one who did vote for it. Irrelevant. Um, we're going to install this union in power. It's going to be empowered to uh, put a contract on all these workers, no matter the fact that 80% of them didn't vote for this, uh, for this uh, particular union. And um, it's, it's just a, another demonstration of how uh, the union uh, movement and organized labor um, purports to talk you know, speak for workers and be about what workers want, but so much of what they do is about top-down government-granted power um, to the detriment of the individual rights of the actual rank-and-file workers. And this is an example where the government has this, in my opinion, uh, erroneous notion that, you know what, inherently unions are good and necessary. So much so that, you know what, the people don't even really know what's good for them. We must override the will of the people for their own good. That's what government usually thinks. But when it comes to unions, I mean, it's inherently so, where they they just think there's no other choice. That's the way it's got to be. And and they just triple down on this narrative that, hey, unions are good and unions have to be. And they do this in the the public sector, too. Uh, But they're pushing this private sector wise stuff um but that's where it comes from right yeah and it's uh you know it's it's sort of um it's already embedded in federal labor law i mean this is you know uh the national labor relations act comes out of fdr and the new deal and originally um they tried to basically create cartels um for the various industries and they were going to have industry-wide boards with unions and and the companies and they get together um, and that got thrown out by the U.S. Supreme Court, and then they came back with the National Labor Relations Act, with, which does have some language about workers' right to associate and that type of thing, which, of course, should at least inherently include the right 
not to associate, um, but it also has language about, you know, encouraging what they call collective bargaining, um, monopoly bargaining, where a union gets power over all the workers, even those who don't want um, union representation. And that's in the law. And, of course, um, you know, the National Labor Relations Board, because the way it's set up, it, it sometimes is increasingly aggressive on the promoting union power uh, part of the, the the mission of the National Labor Relations Act, and, and sometimes it, it does a better job on the freedom of association side. Um, but there's no question where where Joe Biden stands and what um, would happen if uh, if the Pro Act passes Congress, which, like I said, is is the you know just this drastic wish list of of union power um, and and the Amazon election, how that would play out. Um, I mean, obviously, it's bad now that they're trying to overturn this vote. Um, overwhelming. It's hard to, you know, it, it, you can't lose sight of the fact that these workers, they understand, understood what was going on. They heard the pitch. They heard the, the president of the United States did a video talking to them about why they should join the union. And despite all that, which, they which said, let me stop you there. No. That's why I'm saying the government has this inherent idea. Why would the president be in the middle of an Amazon discussion about unions. The president of the United States should have nothing to do with this. He should be a guy saying, look, we love the free association that America offers. We were here as a, as a government to honor contracts. Um, and, you know, let the people decide what they want. I have nothing to do with that. Why would he roll down there and be part of that in the first place? Yeah, well, I mean, certainly a big part of it is, of course, uh, union bosses spend a lot of money on politics and lobbying. Um, you know, I think uh, saw some studies show it, it, you know, around $2 billion every election cycle um, when you add up the, the dues money. And people forget the biggest portion of union political spending comes from uh, general treasury funds, which are funded by union dues and fees. And that means um, in non-right-to-work states, money from workers who would be fired if they didn't pay. Um, and, and unions admit and this is in their own filings. And if you, you start digging through them, you realize that they're undercounting drastically because there's a, a whole lot of things that get miscategorized and everything else. But you're looking at $1.4 billion in 2019 and 20 um, that they're spending forced dues included on uh, union political and lobbying activities. That buys them a lot of power, including with, uh, with Joe Biden. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, with Patrick Simmons, we have several cases in the news that we want to kind of mention really quick. California, Chicago, and more. These people are on a bender, I'm telling you. It's crazy. Patrick Simmons with us, righttowork.org. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Live. Abby Johnson was once director of a Planned Parenthood clinic in Bryan, Texas. After a moral crisis, she quit, and now she campaigns against what she once endorsed. They implement abortion quotas in all of their clinics. What do you mean quotas? You have to perform a certain number of abortions every month. Um, one of the reasons that I left... Are they explicit about that? Yes. It's, it's in your budget, right there on the line item. Uh, one of the reasons I left Planned Parenthood was because uh, in a budget meeting, I was told to double that abortion quota. And for me, as someone who had spoken to the media and had said, you know, we're about reducing the number of abortions. We're about, you right. know, prevention, all of these other services. I was shocked. So since you actually worked at a Planned Parenthood, give us some sense of the relative number of abortions. Okay. Abortions, Planned Parenthood provides over 330,000 abortions a year. They right. are the largest single abortion provider in our country. As 
As a parent, is receiving a faith-based, character-focused education for your children difficult to find? Do you believe that godly principles should be a central component in your child's education? Imagine a school where faith and integrity are at its center, where heritage and responsibility instill character. For over 40 years, American Heritage School has been educating both hearts and minds, bringing out academic excellence. This is the school where character and embracing the providence of a living God are fundamental where students' national test scores average near the 90th percentile. With American Heritage School's Advanced Distance Education Program, distance is no longer an issue. With an accredited LDS-oriented curriculum from kindergarten through 12th grade, your children can attend from anywhere in the world. American Heritage School will prepare your child for more than a job. It will prepare them for life. To learn more, visit American-Heritage.org. That's American-Heritage.org. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Patrick Simmons, RightToWork.org with me. I'm telling you right now, the Democrats are on a bender. Uh, the pro-union folks are on a bender. Some Republicans, too, sadly, but primarily Democrats and uh, the National Labor Relations Board and everything else that Biden's trying to take over. And, and it's really, um, they're, on, they're just going for broke on this thing, it seems like to me. Um, so you've got all kinds of cases around the country. You've got, what, a California case going on, too? Yeah, well, this was uh, just filed. Um, this is another uh, Janus enforcement case. Uh, Janus the AFSCME was the twenty. So hold on a minute. I thought that you guys won Janus. Mm-hmm. I thought you guys won Janus, and it was like yeah. super clear and all done. Well, it was, um, but that doesn't stop, uh, you know, uh, unions and and especially in friendly states from um, trying to undermine it. And you know, here we've got a a really blatant uh, violation. Um, so this is a, uh, university of California, uh, lab assistant. Um, and she, you know, uh, decided she didn't like, for whatever reason, she didn't, didn't like what the union was doing with her money. Um, and she said, okay, I want out. I heard about this Janus case. It says that I can no longer be required, uh, to fund a union as a government employee. Um, and so I'm going to, I'm going to stop. And not only did she, she stop or did she say, I'm going to, I'm going to, I want out. She waited for the union dictated quote window period um that's a, a brief i think 15 a day window period that she had um and she filed during that now we argue and we've got all sorts of other cases talking about how those uh sort of window period escape period restrictions violate janice because of course the, the union can't say well okay we, we'll recognize your first amendment rights but only 15 days a year um that's not how the constitution works but uh, setting that aside, she actually did uh, ask out during that period, and what happened was the union waited till that period ended, and then something back said, "Oh, sorry, we need a photo ID to stop uh, the dues and um, and for you to exercise your First Amendment constitutional rights, we're going to require a photo ID. Um, and since you missed the period and now it's ended, you're going to have to wait till next year. Uh, so this is you know uh, an extraordinarily uh, blatant violation, um, and it, it comes out of California law. California um, is a particularly pernicious um, attempt to undermine uh, the Janus uh, precedent. What they did is they said, look, any government uh, like HR person or management, um, if someone comes to you and says they want to stop dues or they want to exercise their personal rights or they heard about Janus and they want out, 
you can't tell them anything except you need to talk to the union. And then when it comes to the payroll department in California, at the University of California or public schools or whatever government, uh, you know, agency and bureaucracy, they take whatever money the union says and they can't stop unless the union says it's okay. And so then you've got to go sue the union to exercise your first amendment rights. And uh, that's what's going on here. It's, it's really um, ugly. It's really blatant. Um, the only sort of upshot of that is that the more blatant it is, the more it catches the eyes of, of judges. And, and, you know, the Ninth Circuit, um, which is where uh, California is, is, is generally not the most friendly to individual liberty. Um, but because this is such a uh, gross and, and blatant violation of the, what the Supreme Court said in Janus, um, hopefully it can be a vehicle for not only defending her rights and, and getting, you know, her dues stopped and the other workers who might have faced the same um, ID policy, but also maybe striking down that California law, which is, of course, at the root of all this, um, and it sort of outsources, uh, you know, First Amendment enforcement to the most biased party possible. I mean, it's, it's the it's the fox guarding the hen house. Um, the idea that union officials are the ones responsible for making sure that they don't violate the rights of, of government workers by taking their money um, is, of course, uh, you know, sets up the, all the wrong incentives. And that's why you've got union officials um, telling people, oh, you know, okay, we, we didn't tell you about the photo ID policy, but yeah, we have it and better luck next year. Uh, when you want, if you want to try and exercise your first amendment rights. Well, I commend this lab assistant though, and I think that her heroic stand is going to really lead to other people going, "Hey, wait a minute, I want in on this too," because I don't, I didn't really realize that I could do something about this. People aren't even aware of the Janus ruling enough, uh, but her leadership is going to make a big difference. I hope. Yeah, certainly. I mean, you know, and, and we've got um, some, I think, thirty ongoing Janus enforcement cases, and each one. Um, it takes someone standing up, uh, you know, they, they may be in, they're obviously in a unionized uh, workplace. I mean, she's at the University of California, um, and she's, in, you know, California government employee. Uh, there's probably a lot of pressure for her to, to not do this, but it's, um, it's great when you have this kind of bravery. Um, in this case, it follows the class action. So there are other people who presumably ran into the same issues. Uh, they may not have stood up and, and, called National Right to Work and, and said, hey, you know, I'm having this issue and I'd like you to file a lawsuit for me. Uh, but ultimately, they could benefit from it because it is a class action. So the, the other individuals um, will get some assistance in cutting off their dues. And then, like you said, it, hopefully this leads to other people learning their rights because, uh, you know, the, the way that California sets it up, uh, you mentioned the word Janus and the only thing that, that the person, you know, your, your government HR uh, person can say is, Oh, go talk to the union about that. I can't tell you anything. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it creates this. this yeah, and the sad part for a lot of those people in it. HR or wherever else, they just don't want to get caught with their hand in the cookie jar and get sideways with the union visa. So there's a lot of fear and kind of Gestapo tactics happening relating to that, too, and that's why nobody <laughs> will touch it with a 10-foot pole, right? Exactly, exactly. All right. A couple other quick cases before we let you fly, Patrick. Uh, metal worker wins... Settlement in case against sheet metal union boss for illegal $21,000 fine. This is a great one. Yeah, this is, um, you know, this is what happens. Um, unions go after any worker who challenges them. Um, this is a guy who, who had a, a job, was a union member, 
found another job at a non-union shop that he thought was better for him, better for his family. Um, and so he resigned from the union. He took this other um, position. And suddenly the union comes in and says, oh, uh, you owe us $21,000 for supposed damages against the union because you took this uh, this new position at a non-union contractor. Um, and it's, I mean, you know, it, it's, well, it was outrageous to begin with because as a non-member, um, they can no longer fine him and, and do that kind of thing. But on top of it, when they issued the fine, they issued it through the end of May, um, but they issued the fine, I think, in, in April or May, so that they were they were literally fining him for days that hadn't even occurred yet. Um, so, you know, fortunately, he came to us. Um, we were able to file something with the National Labor Relations Board. The union pretty quickly uh, backed down and said, oh, we rescind the fine. Um, the National Labor Relations Board investigated, and, and not only uh, was the fine rescinded, which the union had already done, because um, they knew they were going to get caught uh, for violating his rights, um, but they also uh, did a settlement, which is basically how most of these National Labor Relations Board cases um, end. That means the union backed down. They had to file, put up a notice, inform other workers about their uh, their legal rights. But yeah, this is um, you know this this these are the types of tactics that union bosses use uh, to attack any worker who kind of thinks independently or who you know might question them. Um, you know, we see it all the time. I uh, we had a case up in Michigan. Um, it's another sort of construction worker contractor, um, and he was in a union position, and then he went to work for uh, his wife's company. His wife owned the company, um, so he went to work with his wife, a family business, and they tried to, they said, either force her to make that a union business or else we're going to fine you thousands and thousands of dollars. Um, and so this is what, uh, this is a tactic union officials use. Now, the good news is, um, they cannot legally issue these fines against workers who are not voluntary members. So the worker resigns. They're out of control of this sort of these internal kangaroo courts that um, that unions set up to go after uh, independent-minded uh, workers. But um, but it's, it's a it's a tactic, and they they're hopeful that uh, you know maybe these people. If, you know, even if he successfully fights back, the next person, oh man, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to case to the National Labor Relations Board and hope they do the right thing. Um, I'm just going to sit tight and pass up on an opportunity that, that might be what's best for for their future and, and their economic uh, well-being. So these are the, All right, the you tactics, probably don't have enough time for, we see. You probably don't have enough time for this one, Patrick, but talk about the Chicago teachers really quick. Right. So this is a case at the U.S. Supreme Court. It's um, it goes back to the Janice window period uh, schemes that we were talking about. And this is asking the Supreme Court to, to strike one down uh, at the Chicago Teachers Union has. Um, and we got amicus support from uh, 16 states, 16 attorneys general filed um, uh, in favor of these teachers. They support their position. And that's a really big deal because it makes it more likely the Supreme Court is going to ultimately decide to hear this case um, and shut down these schemes once and for all. There you have it. Thank you, Patrick. Sure, appreciate it, sir. Godspeed. All right. Thank you, Sam. Always great. Liberty Roundtable Live. Pursuing Liberty. Using the Constitution as our guide. You're listening to Liberty News Radio.
USA Radio News with Lance Pride. Russia's ambassador to the United States said the Biden administration has asked for 24 Russian diplomats to leave the country when their visas expire on September 3rd. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen will provide an update to the House on Tuesday about the steps being taken to distribute $46.5 billion in federal funds that were allocated to prevent evictions during the pandemic. Election officials in Maricopa County, Arizona, issued a response to election audit subpoenas by the state Senate. In a letter on Monday, Maricopa Board Chairman Jack Sellers claimed the 2020 election was over. Arizona GOP Chair Dr. Kelly Ward said Sellers' response was unacceptable. We are looking forward to the audit team processing the information that we must get from those new subpoenas. Voters deserve and demand a full audit shining a light on the good and on the bad in the 2020 election. USA Radio News. Hi, I'm Wayne Alaroot for Patriot VPN. Patriot VPN is a virtual private network service that uses military-grade encryption to protect your Internet connection on all of your devices. With Patriot VPN, your data and Internet privacy is secure anywhere in the world. Why do you need Patriot VPN? Cyber criminals, government, even your own Internet service provider collect and use your private information without your knowledge. Examples in the news recently, remember all the companies that have been hacked? Cuba censored the Internet to kill protests? Here in America, conservative groups are being actively targeted. Your personal information and Internet history is being sold by your ISP. It's all happening every day, but not with Patriot VPN. With Patriot VPN, your Internet activity and history is protected from prying eyes forever. Patriot VPN is a veteran-owned business right here in the USA. For business or your family, starting at only $6.95 a month, use code WAR and get three months free. With an annual subscription, it's all at PatriotVPN.com. That's PatriotVPN.com. More than 2,700 pages. Senators get to work on the bipartisan infrastructure bill. Dan Naraki from the Ohio USA Radio News Bureau reports. Senators began to dig into the $1 trillion bipartisan infrastructure bill on Monday after receiving the more than 2,700-page bill late Sunday night. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has pushed to get a vote on the bill done this week, while Minority Leader Mitch McConnell has called for a more measured period of debate and consideration. Senator James Langford says he needs more time to digest the bill, but the Oklahoma Republican tells Newsmax TV that he wants to see an infrastructure bill that contains only projects that can be paid for. Obviously, we need to do infrastructure. That's a given. We do infrastructure. But this is not just an infrastructure bill. This is the Biden team saying they want to do something historic, something that's never been done, to spend more on infrastructure that's ever been done. So it takes the normal infrastructure bill that we would do, which is about $400 billion, which is big, and then it tacks onto it all of these giant things that have no pay-fors on them at all. USA Radio News. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you know, we went to Freedom Fest. I did a bunch of interviews that we didn't get a chance to air. We're going to air one of them right now. We're talking about Braver Angels. Rick Kochner with us discussing it in detail. Here it is. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live from Freedom Fest. The fun, the festivities, the hard work, the sacred cause of liberty marches on, ladies and gentlemen. It is day four, and there's still people everywhere. Breakout sessions going on. Our session with myself and Richard Mack on the general breakout stage coming up at 2.10 p.m. Uh, busted. Is the justice system permanently broken? The answer is absolutely yes. Unless, and that's what I have to say at the event, you got to go or watch it online to find out what it is. I'll tell you after the fact later. How's that? Meanwhile, we're trying to come together in America. I know the mainstream press. I know your government. 
I know provocateurs are trying to divide Americans on every fault line they can find, but we're not going to let it happen on our watch. How's that? All right. With that in mind, Rick Hotchner is with me. And Rick Hotchner is an ambassador for BraverAngels.org. Braver Angels, kind of a cool concept. It's .org, not .com, so BraverAngels.org. And uh, there's so much to this, it's, it's hard to know where to start. But let me just start by saying this. It's, it's a come-together site, right, Rick? That's correct. It's about bringing people of different political perspectives together to, de- to depolarize our country. Wow. So I really focus on this concept that I've kind of created, a clarion call for civility. Uh, and I'm working on a project with that, up-and-coming details, uh, by the way. But in the meantime, though, this uh, Braver Angels, uh, what do you become a Braver Angel? Is that what you do? Well, um, in, in practice, yes. Um, but uh, the, the way that we do this is we offer workshops um, that are free. You don't have to actually be a member to uh, to take a workshop. Um, the workshops uh, teach skills to have constructive discussions designed to facilitate understanding, find out what other people think and why to see the humanity in each other and to find common ground where it exists. I dig it. Who started this thing? So there are three men uh, who are the co-founders. Um, one uh, is uh, what we would call a blue, so a liberal. Uh, another one is a red from Ohio. Uh, and what and does the red stand for? Red is for conservative it's or means conservative. Okay, no, nope, not, not uh, communist, interestingly, yes, yeah. but they, we, you know, after the states. Um, and, um, and then the third is the one who actually uh, has been the, the brains behind the workshops. He's a University of Minnesota professor professor named Bill Doherty, and he um, specializes in family planning. So he's, I've, I've heard of Bill Doherty before. Yeah. He, he testified at Congress a couple weeks ago um, okay. about modernization of Congress, but he draws upon uh, family therapy um, uh, methodology to um, help our national family uh, with the dysfunction that we have in our political discourse. I like that. I think it's good work, and I appreciate it. Now, how did you become a Braver Angels ambassador, and what does that mean? So, um, uh, when my wife and I first found uh, Braver Angels, we had already been talking about drawing upon uh, uh, our personal experience as a red-blue couple. She's liberal, I'm conservative. Um, Wait a minute. What does that even mean? What does it mean to, yeah. to, to well, we're a married couple with political differences. No, but, I get that, but yeah. what, do you, what do you mean by the differences, though? Are you really that divided? Uh, we, we see things pretty differently, yes. Um, now, the reason I say are you really that divided is because that's what America would like you to believe, right? Yeah. Are you really that divided? It's irreconcilable. You might as well get a divorce, right? N- no. Not absolutely. true. I'm no, just saying, not. if you believe America mainstream press, though, right. that's the bottom line is there, there is no alternative. Yeah, right. Uh, the, the people at Brave Angels, though, are here to, to jettison that false narrative. And tell the truth. Correct. So, are you and your wife really that far apart? Uh, we're we're far apart. Um, well, I wouldn't. I don't think we're that far apart, to be honest. Um, we we do have different views. Sure, that's um, okay, though, but, right? Right, it is. But we we are very unified as Americans, um, and we're sure. dismayed that people can't talk to each other. And you're unified as a family and as a couple, right? Yes, we be, and we believe good people can disagree. Whoa, and you can do so agreeably. Yes. Wow, you still want to take her on a date? Absolutely. You don't want to say she's a never Trumper and just jettison? <laughs> no, absolutely I, not. I tease to make a point though. Yeah, but at no, first, when fair. you got married, did you, did you know you were marrying a liberal? Uh, I did. Yep. And you were okay with it? I was okay with that. And have you been okay the whole time? I've been okay with that the whole time. Or has it got kind of harder? Uh, no, it's not gotten harder. Um, uh, in, our conversations have gotten better actually over time. Really? Yes. How? Um, well. Uh, I would say that, that first of all, we were having conversations um, at the outset. So hold on. Let me stop you. Yeah. I don't mean to be, just keep interrupting you, but I, okay. I, this is important, though. Yeah, yeah. You keep having conversations. When yeah. you keep having conversations, there's always a light at the tunnel. It's when you won't have a conversations that you're in trouble. 
That, that's correct. And that's why after the initial part of our marriage where we kind of avoided political discussions, we ended up having them. Um, and I'll frankly say that she was better at them than I was because she was focused on understanding me and I thought I already understood her. So I wasn't really reciprocating. Um, it, with Braver Angels, um, we've learned or I've learned um, that the, to focus more on understanding rather than trying to convince Oh, I think you just hit on the real thing. For, they say first this, try to understand before being understood. Mm -hmm. Is that what the kind that, of the takeaway is? Absolutely. We lead with listening and curiosity and humility and, and, and not being too certain of ourselves. How did you learn to do that? Did she uh, teach you? Uh, well, she's modeled that. She was doing Braver Angels methodology for a long time before we found Braver Angels. Uh, really? I've learned it in the course of the, the workshops and, and then employed it in the course of discussions with her and with other, other blues, like I said, so-called. And did she know something, or did she just do it naturally, or what? She's a diplomat, um, so I think it's, it's naturally part of her personality um, okay. to, to uh, be able to draw people out in the way that she did. And she did it so well that I was convinced that I, that I convinced her um, of what I was saying. <laughs> she, she did come back with any counterpoints or anything. She yeah, just wanted she to just understand she just let you me. believe what you believe there. And Absolutely. I'll just let him think he's right. Yeah. Kind of an idea, right? Yeah. It's kind of the idea that if you change a, a man against, uh, he'll still have the same opinion still, right? Mm. Yep. All right. So when you had these political discussions, give me an example of how dug in each of you were. Um, well, and, and I don't want to really exploit the differences as much as what I'm trying to do is highlight some things that seem to be in, irreconcilable. And my goal is to discuss how you how you reconcile them. You may not change your opinion, but right. you can at least understand the other side. You can at least have respect for it. Right. I think that's that's the point is that um, that. Uh, through these discussions, I, I, I can't say I've necessarily changed my mind about what, I, what my policy prescription should be. Sure, and that's not the goal. And that's not the goal. What, what I do have is a much better understanding, a much richer understanding of any given issue and the different perspectives on it, which um, puts me and whoever I'm talking to in a place to find common ground so that we can find alignments um, for solving problems. Being an ambassador for uh, this group, does that, I mean, is there money in that? How come you're ambassadors? Is it a love of this? What is it? How, what no, drives it's, it? We're, it? It's a, almost an entirely volunteer organization. So the, the, the people that we're finding, which are really high quality, capable professionals, um, are, are passionate about this particular issue, um, about depolarizing our country. They, there's an understanding that what we're doing right now is not sustainable. We're driving people to extremes and we can't solve problems. And so there's an effort to build on the movement so that the, the grand majority of people who are people of goodwill, who are willing to consider other ideas and talk to people with whom they disagree, end up being the ones that aren't marginalized. It's the extremes that are marginalized. And by extreme, they marginalize themselves, really. Kind of, yeah. Uh, but it, but to a certain extent, um, the, the the political discourse we have right now, or lack thereof, is driving people to extremes. Because when you have ideas shut down and people shut down, it's not like they go away. They just go to dark places. Um, and that's what's happened over decades, I think. Unfortunately, I agree. So what are some of the biggest issues you and your wife struggled with that now, hey, um, you've learned to kind of work through and Braver Angels have helped kind of bridge that gap? I think if you pick any any number of sort of um, domestic issues is, is usually where 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 we would disagree. Um, you know, uh, questions like abortion, um, questions like what's the what's the right um, uh, sort of level of um, government uh, size and scope uh, in terms of interfering in society or the economy or what have you. Interfering would be my word. Um, Barbara would look at uh, at government as something that should be uh, a vehicle for change. Yeah, I've got friends that simply say this. I'd rather give all my money that I work for to the government. I'd, love their ha I'd rather have them make sure everybody's good. Mm -hmm. 
And that's an extreme position on one hand. But on the other hand, is it really that they're bad people and they just want to be socialists and destroy everybody? Or is it that they really have a kind heart and they want others to do well? I, I mean, I, I think this is, this is one of the things that I'm finding. First of all, I would make a distinction between um, Democrat politicians uh, and Democrat voters. So that, I, and there's a huge difference there, huh? I, I think so. But what I'm talking about is at the voter level. And the voters, I think, are people of goodwill who just see things differently than I do. Um, and um, But they, they still love America. They still want good. Uh, you know, they still are in favor of the common good. They might understand that differently than me. But um, there is a lot of overlap. And that's one of the things I've found. And I think people that are uh, involved in Braver Angels find is, is that we really do have a lot more in common than we realize and and there's and like you said earlier there's people that are actively trying to disabuse us of that notion they want us to think that we're, we're divided and here's what i find interesting a liberal and myself might be at polar ends of the of the spectrum but you know what we both want our neighbor to do well we both want our neighbor to every different races different everybody wants to be pretty much left alone they want to pretty much have all the benefits and the, the blessings of life. They want to go on vacation once in a while. They want to pay all their bills. They want to love their kids. They want to spend time together. They want to. And at the end of it all, we really all want almost the same things. Now, the reason I bring that up is I think that's the that's the biggest getting together starting point we can find. The only d- discussion now is, hey, how do we go about it? And there might be vast differences, but if you realize at the core that we all really want the same things, that makes it human. That makes it normal. That makes it like, wait a minute, they're not so much different from me than I thought. Absolutely. When we talk about finding common ground, if possible, we're not just talking about common ground on politics. There's all kinds of different ways of relating to each other, and there's all all different ways of finding common ground as a result. All right. I want to talk about the mission. The mission is to bring Americans together to bridge the partisan divides and strengthen our democratic republic. Now, I could take issue with that and say I think we have a constitutional republic, not a democratic (laughs) republic, but I get it. Yep. And the idea is that we want to strengthen people. That's an important, critical mission. Um, how many people are involved in the organization? Uh, tens of thousands. Uh, we grew about fourfold in 2020, uh, I think, wow. as a response to the polarization, and we've grown faster than and that. And as a response to the COVID, too, because people are looking for ways to be involved with others, right? Yes. Um, and, and, and also, part of that is also that uh, because we went to Zoom, um, we could actually reach more people. Um, generally speaking, the organization grew up organically uh, through cities, um, and so more people who were not in, in cities could participate via Zoom when before everything was in person. Rick Hotchner with me, ladies and gentlemen. He is a Braver Angels ambassador. Him and his wife, they both are. They're totally different from the political uh, spectrum. But they're equally yoked as husband and wife. I find that intriguing. I find that full of hope. I find that encouraging. Now, here's the way the um, Braver Angels do things. They do it through workshops, as Rick mentioned. They also do it through debates and more. How do we make sure that it's not a brawl, that it's not a Jerry Springer, but it really, but it really is a decent discussion? A debate kind of has a little bit of the wrong connotation because we're not trying to win brownie points that you might in high school in a debate. What we're really trying to do is flesh out discussions and really give the others the ability to kind of see it through our lens, right? Sam, I couldn't have put it better myself. Um, we have a resolution in our debates. Um, you have pe- people speaking for and against. Then the audience will participate, um, and they can ask questions to clarify. Um, they can um, make statements of their own. Uh, par- parliamentary rules are, are used uh, to keep some structure to it and to keep some civility to it. Um, but nobody's. The, the point of the debate is not for one side or the other to win. The point of the debate is for everybody involved to leave a little bit smarter about that issue and to make up their own minds.
not only smarter about the issue, not only able to make up your own minds, but to at least say, you know what, I completely disagree with you. But you know what? I think your side has some intelligence. I thought you were just a bunch of idiots before. And now I'm kind of realizing that, you know what, your side has really thought this through. And, and it's a little bit of respect for the other side, too, understanding that, hey, this is not just some yahoo ignorant person because they don't agree with me. Rather, it's a very well thought out, very well staked out position that has its values and its points. Um, and just because you may not believe it's the answer, you can at least say, now I understand where you're coming from and why. And you know what? I disagree, but I have respect for it. And isn't that where we're trying to at least get to for a starting point? Absolutely. That's exactly it. All right. What's the difference between being a member, an ambassador versus Sam Bushman just jumping on and having a debate with somebody? Uh, so um, members, um, I mean, members and subscribers kind of get the same uh, emails um, pushed out to them. Um, uh, and other information. There's podcasts available and so on. Um, uh, members, um, the, to be a, to actively participate in an alliance, um, you, you need to be a member. To uh, take on a volunteer role as an organizer, an ambassador, uh, a state coordinator, you need to be a member. It's a, a whopping $12 a, a year. Um, we try to make all of this as accessible as possible uh, to people. To be an ambassador, um, there's an orientation. It's a, a one-day orientation, um, actually a couple hours, three hours maybe. Um, and and then after that, you're just coordinating with your state coordinators uh, before you do outreach um, to make sure that you're you're uh, going in, in uh, out in ways that are that are productive. Um, but if you want to be a moderator for a workshop, if you want to be a Zoom event manager, there's training that's provided uh, so that people do that do all that in the Braver Angels way. How do we make sure that people have the right intentions when they're there? Uh, well. Um, basically, um, anything that we do, thanks to Bill Doherty's work, um, has a, a particular structure to it that facilitates um, the kind of communication that we want. And then there's always moderators or people chairing um, discussions and so on that are making sure that people are, are acting accordingly. And, and really, for the most part, it's not needed. It's It's been very rare. I, I, I've never experienced it. I've heard about it. But it's pretty rare that somebody really steps out of line. So let me ask you this, because it seems like in America, certain groups are okay to disagree with, but yet they're still at the seat. They still have a seat at the table. Then there's groups that aren't and don't. Let me give you an example. I believe that abortion is killing babies, and I believe it's, you know, pro-death, not pro-choice. That's just my belief. Others would say, Sam, you know, I don't see it that way. I get it. But you know what? The abortionists are still welcome at the table, so are the pro-life people, right? But if you talk about race, if somebody advocates for the Latino race or the African-American race, then they're okay. But if a white guy says, I want to advocate for the white race, man, that guy's a racist. He's not even welcome to sit at the table. In fact, don't even give that guy table scraps. Now, don't get me wrong. I disagree with his views, but I still say he's an American and has his right to his beliefs as anybody else does. Are there any lines about where you've got to be or not be to participate? Uh, I've not seen any, no. In fact, we, uh, we have emphasized, first of all, we have organized events that um, are on topics that are very controversial. For example, um, you know what happened with the election, and and some people um, uh, didn't like those um, because they felt like people who were beyond the pale shouldn't be able to participate. Um, but we held those events anyway. Um, well, I think those who think there's no rope fraud are beyond the pale, but I'm still willing to be kind to them. Well, well, right. Um, and, and that, and that's <laughs> I just joke because it's the opposite, right? Well, well, it, the, 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 well the, the point is that um, that. As I said before, if you and Braver Angels believes this, if you if you shut people down um, and you shut down their ideas, 
Um, it, it doesn't mean that they, they go away in a, in a benign way. They go to a darker place. The idea is that we want to keep as many people in the fold as possible engaged in our political discourse so they're not going to dark places. And so, no, really, nobody is off limits. Um, and if people want to raise issues, they get to raise issues and explain um, why they believe what they believe. They also, um, you know, uh, should expect that they might get questions in a, in a civil way, um, uh, asking them to um, explain further what they believe. And this is all provided that, hey, no matter what your beliefs are, that you're willing to follow the uh, protocols, the civility, the uh, guidelines of the platform, right? Correct. All right. This is a very unique new social media venture, isn't it? Uh, well, uh, we're, we're online uh, right now. I, um, th there's social media aspects to it, um, but um, I, I think... It's, it's relatively new. It started in 2016. Um, I think what's there are a lot of people, I think, operating in the space of trying to depolarize our country. What I think is unique about us is that we actively teach the skills for it and then give people opportunities to, to use those skills. Um, it's also, a, a, you know, it, it, we, we are in all 50 states. It's a, it's a grassroots movement that's growing. I think that's also the, the, the size of, of, of what we're doing and the scope of it um, are, are also somewhat unique. And the workshops are primarily the training grounds, and then the debate uh, forums really are kind of like say, hey, you've learned these skills in the workshop, now let's practice them. Correct. All right, I dig it. Do people get married on this thing? Uh, we've only been around since last December, um, and I've not heard of anybody getting married, but I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. Yeah, because people kind of go, whoa, you know what? These are powerful experiences that people are having when they actually are able to sit down and talk to somebody with whom they disagree and see it go okay. And so I can see how, you know, that kind of an experience could lead to, um, you know, people courting. Um, I was talking to somebody last night who one of our, our uh, workshops is, is a, called a red-blue workshop. This guy, uh, when he did, did one, he, there were six reds, six blues, and ever since they did that workshop, every month they get together and, and, uh, and talk about issues and, and so on. So, there, you know, I've done two one-on-one -on -one conversations and have developed friendships out of those uh, with, the, with the blues with whom I've spoken. Now, it's easy to see that this would work well for polarizing issues. <clears throat> what about issues that aren't really very dividing? Do people use it for just common discussion groups as well? Um, I haven't seen it specifically used for that. Um, I, I think part of what we're trying to do is when we when we pick issues to discuss, we want to pick ones that are somewhat where there are differences because we think it's important to um, apply the skills and the practices um, to um, to things that are going to be challenging. Um, but I think that the nice thing about um, what's taught is that it's applicable for any issue and it's applicable even in other parts of life. Is it worldwide or is it just United States discussions? It, well, um, like I said, there's, um, there's pe a presence in all 50 states, and some of the people that are uh, members are in other countries. I see, but it's e primarily an American idea at this point. It's an American idea, but um, expats um, in, in other countries are, are involved. All right, I see a headline. Braver Angels goes to Washington. Tell me about that. So that was Bill Doherty um, going and talking to um, the, the um, House... Uh, committee on Modernization. Um, so there's a, a group of Republicans and Democrats that are charged with trying to make Congress run better um, so that they could better serve um, our country and, and their respective constituents. Um, and Bill was uh, one of four uh, people who testified. Um, another one was Amanda Ripley, who talked about um, her book, High Conflict. Um, I don't remember the other two offhand, but uh, Bill really gave them a 
a concrete set of uh, suggestions for things that uh, congresspersons and their staffers could do to lower the temperature in, in, in the House uh, and, and be able to cooperate better together to, find, to, to, make, to, to solve problems. I'm going to call this um, incredible program you guys are working on. Brave, BraveRangels.com. Uh, I'm going to call it. Um, what's that? Dot org. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wait, did they change? Every time I type this in, it changes it to dot com on my computer. Sorry. No worries. BraveRangels.org. I'm going to call this thing Operation Get Along. I like it. What do you think? I like right. it. Yeah. Um, what about topics such as environment? Do we talk about that kind of stuff too? Sure. Are um, people debating going, I love to just. Spewing the environment, and everybody else is like, "No, you got to stop." <laughs> um, I think people t- tend to be more thoughtful than that, but yes, um, there are debates about uh, about climate change and other things like that. Because I got eight kids, and I know they say I'm just ruining the environment, and right. they let me talk on there. I, I, I've got um, two kids who think very differently than me on, on such questions, um, and, and they actually, think like your wife, huh? I'm sorry. They think like your wife. No, they're actually more to the left than my wife is. Um, oh, wow. But um, right. but we've actually already started to have better conversations um, than we were having before. In fact, um, that wasn't hard, probably because um, the conversations before were, were roused. They weren't conversations, but we've got off on a better foot now. Part of having a good conversation is not taking offense from the start. Is that part of the training? Because you know what? I can say something, and if somebody knows that I'm very ultra, I mean, I make the most conservatives look liberal, right? <laughs> um, but they're going to start out thinking, oh, my gosh, here's Sam Bush when this guy's crazy. He's over the top. He's, they're already going to take offense by my first words. Is there any uh, effort to say, hey, we got to work on dropping your defenses first? This is not an attack. It's not meant to be, even though you might be trained and triggered to think so. It's not. And, and we got to start by thinking that it's not and giving the argument, the discussion, a chance to develop. Um, I think, generally speaking, there is an effort to um, have everybody just keep the, the temperature down. Um, and um, But there's more of an emphasis on... Um, speaking in a way where you're not going to cause that kind of a reaction in somebody else. Um, we start with listening, but then we also talk about um, how to how to convey your own views in a way that's not off-putting. All right. Do you think that this group? You know, you've heard of like um, the Council on Foreign Relations and stuff. Like sure. That, right. Yeah. Well, anyway, I'm not I'm not here to debate that. I'm here to say though. Do you think at some point this forum could eventually be some kind of a group by which we could incubate uh, things that go beyond discussions to say legislative agendas that could satisfy many people and kind of have a tempering effect on extreme legislation brought forward? So um, what I would say is, first of all, um, that Brave Angels doesn't take policy positions um, as an organization. Um, but we, uh, what we are doing is, you know, for example, with, with Bill going to Congress, we are engaging um, legislatures uh, such as Congress and around uh, the country, uh, uh, people who are representatives, their staffs, um, trying to uh, help them do a better job of working with each other um, to produce better legislation. So we're having that kind of an impact, but I suppose it's kind of indirect. Ultimately, it's still up to the representatives and their staffs to do the work. Uh, is this a just a website, or is it an app, too? Uh, it's just a website, as far as I know. All right. Hopefully, they'll build an app. That's easier for people, too. Uh, on the website, then, is it always Zoom? Is some of it text, chat? Is it always video? Tell me how the forms work. So the, the workshops and, and the events are, are all Zoom right now. Um, before the pandemic, um, there were in-person workshops and other events. Um, and we'll get basically move to a hybrid approach because uh, Zoom has allowed us to reach more people than we could before, uh, allowed more people to engage than could before. Um, but um, uh, it, there's something, uh, part of our emphasis is on people at the community level uh, being able to work together to solve problems. So we want to enable that by um, being able to have in-person uh, events for them. 
Ladies and gentlemen, Rick Hotchner with me. Him and his wife are both Brave Angels ambassadors. That means they reach out, they try to get people onto this concept to understand it uh, and to be involved in it in meaningful ways to help try to bring people together. Civility is the goal. Respect and appreciation is the goal. Jettisoning all the divides in America on every fault line is the goal. And I think it's a worthy concept to say the least. The least. To learn more, braverangels.org. Thanks, Rick. Thanks so much, Sam. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Live. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Incredible interview. You know, I've been preaching uh, civility. I've had a clarion call for civility for quite some time now, since 2015. These guys got started in 2016. I guess bright minds think alike. Um, all I'm telling you is they're wonderful people. And it's very interesting to see people really work on a civil way to agree to disagree, to understand and try to, you know what? First, listen, try to understand before speaking and trying to be understood. It's kind of the idea a little bit here. And I commend them for their work. And believe it or not, we're going to have somebody on tomorrow from Braver Angels as well uh, talking about an event they have coming up they want to highlight. And I said, you know what? Call me whenever you have events and we'll highlight them. So they'll jump on for five or ten minutes with us. Uh, Becky Aker should be with me tomorrow for two hours, obviously. But uh, we'll have these people jump on really quick and update you on the event. So get, stay tuned for that, okay? BraverAngels.org doing a great job. Rick Kochner and crew, man, we appreciate them. And we appreciate the initiatives that we're all working on to bring a little bit of a dial it all back, if you will. It's kind of a, you know what, have a little respect for one another. Let's bring back the traditions of America. We can agree to disagree, and we can do it agreeably. We can work together in ways that are meaningful and productive, even if we don't see things the same. That's the genius of the greatest country on the face of the earth, ladies and gentlemen. I'm telling you right now. Thanks for being alongside with the riot. I declare this nation shall endure. LibertyRoundtable.com, LovingLiberty.net, our website. Check it out. Donate liberally, would you please? It's the only time we believe in liberalism, you know what I'm saying? All right. Well, without further ado, God save the Republic of the United States of America. <laughs>